we are here with John Roderick, um, who is uh, well known for so much music, politics around here in the Northwest, Western State Hurricanes, Long mm-hmm. Winters. So I got introduced to you from Western State Hurricanes. And I think you guys had a cassette um, that I got from you or Stephanie, maybe, mm-hmm. and was like, I love this. So I remember, because I was in goodness at the time going, yeah, we need to, I was the big um, bossy who's opening for us kind of person. And so I was like, oh yeah, these guys got to open. These guys got to play with us. Just because it's it's a great, it's it's one of the things that makes it fun to play music. If you have the power enough to say, no, I'll let you know who's opening. And then you'd be like, I like the, this is what's happening for me. All right. <laughs> you were such a big supporter of us. It really helped really, us a lot. That's great. Yeah. No, I really liked you guys. I still, I love everything that you do, really. Thank you. You're welcome. I mean that. Um, and, you know, you got to get your yaws off in music because there's so much other bullshit going on that you get sort of like, oh, I get to do this. So that's kind of nice. But I was really excited to talk to you. One, just because I like you so much. I liked being on your podcast at The Rendezvous. Mm-hmm. That was really fun. Um, and we were just talking earlier about like what this podcast is all about. It's really just a conversation. And I get interested in people wanting to have like a, a communal conversation on, um, could be anything, but a lot of it's like music. Um, and recently I'm 52 and trying to recreate my relationship to music. Um, in after a, a long period where you were yeah, where I'm, in mom mode, was in mom mode, still in mom mode and realizing it. It was slow for me to understand, like I I said to somebody today, I wish I had consciously realized when I had my son, I I wanted to have my son, like I wanted to be a mom, but I didn't know how to consciously say to myself, it's okay to take a break and not give a shit about music, go be a mom. So I kind of had this sort of split torture of like, oh, how do I do it all? Um, When I just didn't kind of want to uh, and couldn't, I was tired. Um, but he's now 10 going on 11 and what, what I'm trying to cultivate is my relate, even my relationship to music. Because for me, when I started music, it happened fast. It happened. Luckily, I didn't have to do much. It felt like other than practice all the time into, you know, all the regular work. Um, so consequently, I never established like a pattern of saying, stopping and going, Hey, care, how's this working for you? So there's kind of a little hollow hole in me. This is, and, and I don't want to live by the story, but a little bit of a disconnect for me between um, what music means to me privately alone when nothing else is there, right? Like when everything else falls away, do I know my why I would do it? Um, and sometimes I do want to participate in music. Sometimes I just don't care. You know, I'm just, in, and there are other things besides music going on in the world. Um, but I want to love it again. And so I'm starting to realize the things and look at and really take knowledge of like, well, what are the parts you like? Like, I love recording. I love, I like collaborating. I like compulsive, intuitive creating. I don't think shit to death. I don't like to. I love to gather players. Like, I'm a you, you, and you. Here's a thing. Do something with it. I love that. And I'm not, like, I'm so not a control person. Other than I will throw down the like, no, I don't like that, <laughs> you know, but not uh-huh. often, you know. There has to be somebody that says, no, I don't like that. Yeah. And it's taken me a long time to get very comfortable with like, I will tell you no. Yeah. Like if it's a wah-wah pedal and I don't want it, I'll say no. <laughs> That's, yeah. That's a key figure, right? I mean, when, when, uh, when Bill Berry left R.E.M., 
Everybody said, oh, you know, his distinctive drumming is going to go. But I think Bill Berry was the one that said, I don't think that's good. Oh. Because the day Bill Berry left, some aspect of what of their editing process huh. went away. Because everything by R.E.M. post Bill Berry feels just slightly less edited. Oh. And it might be a thing that happened in their fame arc, too, where they mm. just were like, they went past a certain fame arc and they were like, everything we do is great. <laughs> but I think it was, I think Bill Berry, I don't know enough about their inner workings. Yeah. But I, I bet he was the guy that when they came up with something, they all kind of looked over at him and he either went, yeah, or he went, mm. Really? I, I, that's just my speculation. I mean, if it changed enough, it makes sense. They changed enough as soon as he left the band. Interesting. And it just felt like they didn't have that, they didn't have that person that used to say, well, yeah. just like when Paul McCartney lost John Lennon, all his mid-70s music yeah. felt like it just needed one, oh, it needed yeah. a person that was like, that's not quite good enough, Paul. Right. Go back over those lyrics one, one more time. time. <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah. He did. Yeah. yeah, I'm not reined in at all on that. I guess, like, if anything, I probably should. Sh- no, I don't know about that. I like the capturing of time because I want, I'd rather get to the doing than examining over and over. Mm-hmm. And the emotional aspect to me is more important, or whatever, at least for my solo stuff. Mm-hmm. That's more, um, like, I will examine, like, the quality of vocal performance like i can tell when i'm like yeah you kind of didn't give a shit when you like you can sing well but there's less you're less present you're just not you know something i'll know the difference like when goodness did anthem we had to record that twice and so the first record was the first effort right lots of energy everyone's like wow you know did it with john goodmanson right and then they're like nope not good enough do the whole thing over again whoa with ted nicely um, nice enough guy. Um, but John I can tell. Is really good about capturing raw energy. Oh, and 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 wants to like we'll say. Um, Ted nicely did a great job, but he's tidy. It's all very tidy. Yeah. And I can hear, even though I think those vocals are like there's nothing not big about them. I I can tell. Like yeah, I listen, true. I go, oh yeah, you were burnt. so tired. Yeah, you weren't giving it that like. There's no scream. There's no like edge. There's no, I don't know, a little bit of breath or spit or on it where I'm like, oh, yeah. mm -hmm." One of the great things uh, that I had at my disposal as a vocalist was Sean Nelson. Oh, yeah. Of Harvey Danger would Mm -hmm. come into the studio with me and just sit there and read a magazine when I was doing vocal takes. Really? Because engineers typically don't fucking understand vocals. They just don't understand what's happening. Yeah. They understand whether it's in pitch. They understand that you did it through. Yeah. Um, and the ones that like to comp stuff will comp for pitch and for oh, you know, yeah. performance. But this thing that you're talking about. Yeah. You kind of need either a, a producer that's re- that really thinks about vocals or another vocalist. Mm-hmm. And Sean would sit in there and he would listen to me do takes. And I would do three, and I'd look in at him, and he would just sort of be looking at his magazine. And <laughs> I'd say, what do you think? And he'd look up, and he'd say, I feel like you're... Uh, and he'd make a comment Yeah. That only another vocalist would really understand. Yeah, yeah. You're singing from a place of, you know, like you're in 
whatever this verse, you're in the meaning of it, but you're not in the spirit of it. Yes. Or you're, you know, like try and sing from the end of your nose or whatever. And then you go back to looking at his magazine, but it would always be really useful for me to get uh, into the performance wherever I needed to be. Well, and you trusted him, yeah, which is huge. Like it takes, I know for me, it takes me three tries before I'm in my body. Yeah. And then, then in my body enough to hear like the character, not, not that I'm trying to be fakey, but like in the voice that I want to portray for a song. Right. Um, and John was the first one on that first goodness record for me to go, let's not sing. Like, let's talk, sing, let's sing less, you know, because <laughs> the Hammerbox stuff was so like growly and rah, you know, and he's like, and it, and it was all effort. And he, and uh, we specifically were like, let's do less singing. And it was kind of hard for me to do, like, just talk, sing it like smoking's that way. Um, a couple of them where he was like, try less. Hammerbox, there was no try less. No. You guys peeled the paint off the walls every time. <laughs> it was literally, I feel like my stance is, yeah, right. <laughs> like, an, ah, you know, like out. full body, like, ah. Well, because Harris is so inner. Yes. He's so internal. Yeah. And his performances are like, they're extremely intense, but that intensity is really like lighting yeah. in a bottle. Whereas well, you were just lighting in the room. Well, I've, I, you know, a voice is like a beacon, you know? It's just, that was my thought on it. Like as a singer, it's like, and as a person, I'm also very like, whether I knew it or not was very like voice is healing. Like I'm on the front of a ship, like a light. And this is my way of being a light. You know, Um, even though there's a lot of growling and all of that too, but that was kind of just more angry time music time. Um, Like when we did the, did the show at the tractor recently that the retrospective, when, when he had this, when we had the set, we were doing it chronological. But when we got into practice and started practicing the Hammerbox stuff, I was like, oh, no, there's no way I'm going to cold start my voice on hole or any of those because it will just kill me. Um, and so that's where we moved it because I was like, I need to warm up. I need yeah. to like Jiminy Christmas. Like, I just don't growl. I mean, I, Hammerbox was the only time I ever got nodes and oh, lost my voice really? on tour. Yeah. Um, I was uh, talking to somebody yeah. the other day, somebody in the music community. Uh, we were talking about Hammerbox, mm-hmm. and the and I never thought about it like this before. But we kind of came to the to the realization all of a sudden, like, oh, Hammerbox was two and a half years too early for like if you had come in '95, yeah, uh, there was a universe that was that existed that yeah. you could have been like the the flag bearers of. Right. And, and this this person was like, you know, the only thing that was, you know, she came into this world of 10,000 maniacs yeah. and you guys could have gone that direction, but you were just too angry. Oh, yeah. And so there wasn't another, there weren't, you didn't have peers. There wasn't right. a, a, a world that Hammerbox fit into and it didn't fit into grunge. Mm. It didn't fit into whatever the, you know, because it was such a like boy energy here. Not even dude yeah. energy. It was just boy energy. Yeah. And, but, but. Four, you know, four years later, there was a universe of like angry girls that you would have been the ultimate sort of like leader of the pack. Well, it's funny. There was such a. Well, like when Riot Girl and everything came out, I was like, well, I don't fit there. Like, no. I'm a singer. Like, uh, it might have been angry. But that's the thing, right? Everybody that came after you was just. Bah! 
Whereas you had all that yeah. vocal power. Which made me kind of, I mean, made me feel odd. I felt like I was odd. Not Later. Not, not, not likable. You know Retroactively. What I mean? but, yeah, yeah, like, oh, I'm, I'm, and there was times when I felt like, embarrassed you know like oh i'm a singer you know like i'm a singer singer that was the problem of the northwest we all got addicted to the idea that you couldn't have talent because that like inauthenticated you yeah yeah so you needed to get out there and just like be the worst yeah and that was somehow genius it was ridiculous but you know what i loved about hammerbox none of us were like that no no not at all i mean we pointedly were like we either are good or we do nothing like we were very intentional I mean, at least be good at what you're doing. You can't tell if somebody's going to like it, but we were competitive without saying so. Like, but we kind of enjoyed that. Like, I enjoy that. I'm, I'm competitive in the way that it's fun to get stuff, but I would never hurt anybody over it. Right. I'm not a cheat, you know. But I love the, like, all right, uh, you've got 500 people. I've got 500 people. Let's make 1,000 people, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, let's, you know, pointedly pick out people and collaborate and make build something not just be like oh, i'm in a band drinking beer you know it's like i don't want to fucking get something let's go yeah it's fun um and all those guys were like that um harris booked like our first tours like it was a good combo of people on a, on a pay phone with a little note, pay with a notebook i have the notebooks with the addresses <laughs> written yeah. in there where i was like how did people yeah. here's what baffles me about today and i know having the internet access makes people complacent and they sit at home or the the weird like watching a show through your phone and all that stuff but i just think about the thousands of people who came to shows just by word of mouth or a paper ad or a mailer right like equal thousands of people could come to a show and now you can't even with all the mechanisms that we have that it's harder to get people yeah. to come to a show like what the hell is I, I that i think it worked at all before it like you got it impressive. too easy yeah. it's too accessible now like oh you need to get off your ass well there's like, too much to too much to look at now. Yeah, Back that, then yes. you went to a show because you're driven to you're do right. something, right? Yeah. yeah, no, you're totally right. Yeah. But I, I mean, as a, how are you feeling about music? Like as a writer, like, do you write all the time? I don't write all the time. Um, I like writing. I'd actually like to get better on follow through. Like I get a lot of ideas and we'll record them. Um, but I will then kind of stop. Like I got a bunch of verses and <laughs> right, right, and the choruses don't come. lines, and, and I'm hard, like, why don't you finish that thought? <laughs> hard to get them, I know. <laughs> you know, when I first started writing songs, I was a, I was not very good at it, and I knew that I wasn't. It was very inhibiting, right? I tried and tried to be smart and good and clever, inventive, mm-hmm. and I could just, I just could feel uh, that I was forcing a kind of voice that wasn't mine. I worked really hard to get my writing voice and my speaking voice to be the same. Oh, wow. Because yeah. my writing voice was a put on, but my okay. speaking voice was, was really who I was. Right. And yeah. so I just needed to connect those two. It took me several years. Yeah. And the best songs I wrote, I wrote during a period where, where like frustration was one of my main emotions. Mm-hmm. I just didn't understand the world, why I wasn't uh, thriving in it, mm-hmm. why uh, why I couldn't kind of make it with other people mm-hmm. uh, in a way that I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Every everywhere I went, I felt like that I was outside, mm-hmm. and that was that was super frustrating. And so all of that went into the into my songs. And when I when it got into my forties, I started to feel 
I'm much more just a member of the community. Right. I started to get things, you know, instead of saying like, why does she treat me this way? Right. I was like, I understand why she treats me that way. Pretty much. I put that. I got it. Yeah. Seems like a pretty reasonable way, actually, given all the things. And as that, uh, as that confusion drained out of me and was replaced with a kind of like sanguine understand, you know, not complete understanding, but partial understanding of why things are the way they are. Yeah. I ran out of that, that energy, that dynamic songwriting impulse, which was coming out of a place. Cause I could, I can't write really narrative stuff. Like mm -hmm. I can't write political music. I'm super bad at it. Yeah. If I'm like, yeah, there should be things that should be different. Like I'm <laughs> just not, not me. Uh, all my stuff is like emotional music. Yeah. But I don't write narratively. So like when, when my dad got sick and I tried to write a song about it, it just collapsed. And it kind of collapsed me because I, I failed to do this thing that my art, I thought, should have allowed me to do. Mm -hmm. Commemorate my dad or, or, or uh, you know, think about his dying. Sure. But everything, when I tried to, tried to do it, it was just like, miss my dad. Or, it just sounded like country music. <laughs> And uh, so now I'm trying to reconnect to music, but I'm trying to reconnect to what I am here to write about. Right. And I'm not like you. I don't just get in and let it, you know, I don't thrive in a in, uh, spontaneous, impulsive writing mm -hmm. voice. I'm very meticulous and very self-judging and very self-editing, mm -hmm. uh, which is hard, right? Because you make yeah. something and you're like, this is good. And then that editing voice is like, not good. It's right. not really good. Mm -hmm. And it, unless, you, unless you're like angry enough to push past that voice, it can be really inhibiting. Right. So I'm rediscovering the, like, I'm trying to rediscover what I have to write about. I don't just want to make music that's like, squeeze my lemon. Right. I don't want to make music that is banal, right? Yeah. Where I'm just like, topic, topic, topic. Right. Chorus yeah. loosely associated with topic. You know, I, I want it to have passion. Yeah. And it's a, you know, as a 50, I just turned 50, and I have mm -hmm. a, a daughter that's almost eight. Mm -hmm. And it's like, passion, passion. Yeah. Where am I finding passion? Oh, come tell me, yeah. Yes. That, that isn't that isn't just like I love my kid. Yeah. But I don't want to. You know, I'm not a good enough songwriter to be like, "Isn't she lovely?" Right, right. Like that's oh, I love it. Yeah. really nice. Yeah, right? yeah. But we're talking about a, like a super, super gifted songwriter, and I'm sort of not quite at the "Isn't she lovely?" level. Do you ever think? See, because. I don't write intellectually at all, which makes me sound like I just said I'm an idiot, but I write very emotionally. Mm -hmm. Like, I am almost an, an unconscious. I don't even, and I believe in that, like an intuitive, open up your, oh, super like, it's all driven by emotion. And so I will literally be like, if, and I write, I like rhythm. Like, I've always said, like, get me a drummer and I can write for days. That, that, that triggers me. That helps me like, I, I'm like, oh, yeah, because I like rhythm, but it's not complicated. It's not complex. Obviously, my thought, good rhythm trigger emotion, you know, 
that is how I've always written. Like when Hammerbox, I didn't write music. I listened to them emotionally. Just what what is it? What what comes out of me? What's that make come out of me? Like that that was literally the muscle um, emotionally. And then I didn't get in the way of the words because I do think that's kind of mystical. Like that that for me at least, it will, things will come out, and I I and it's about me getting out of the way. Um, and it's super emotional based. But you are a vocalist, right? So mm-hmm. you can turn that into, hey, yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. the room goes, yes. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. Everybody feels it. Mm-hmm. Whereas in that same number of bars in one of my songs, I would have 14 stanzas, right? I would have said, oh, really? Yeah. So I would have had so many words in there. Yeah. There's not a single really long winter song where I just go, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like you just let my voice just make noise, just sound, yeah, yeah. Like, make, like my body make sound. Yeah. Um, and it sounds great. I mean, when you do it, the there's meaning in it, right? The audience yeah, I, feels I'm meaning. I'm honestly connected. I mean, that is like a, it's a, it's a very honest thing. Like if, if it sounded like shit, I wouldn't do it. But I, um, emotion is the language and the words come out, but it is true. Uh, dri- driven by I'm, I'm connected to that and I'm much more about words mm-hmm. uh, and I've don't you know like I say it feels great to just go like let my diaphragm do the talking but I don't yeah. uh, but I would be too inhibited to do that on stage because I because I connected that early on to because I'm like I guess you would say the first generation of indie rock mm-hmm which was a result of feeling excluded from the yeah. last generation of stadium rock. Yeah. When I got to town and all those guys were like leather pants in it around. <laughs> yeah. And I, cause I worked at the off ramp in 1991. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Yeah. And um, saw the bad motor finger CD release parties and recognized I am not Chris Cornell. I can never be Chris right. Cornell. It's a high bar though. Yeah. It's super high bar, but you know, it's when, a you're, thing too. when you're 20, <laughs> right. You're just like, well, if that's not me, then what am I? Right. right. Uh, that's what I would like to be. Right? Would but you though? Chris Cornell in yeah. 1991? Yeah, it wouldn't be. I don't know. I mean, it was better than what I was doing in 1991. Which Why was, like, was it better though? Because I was sleeping under the bar at the Comet and people were like pouring their cigarette butts on my head because I was a loser. <laughs> well, that, that, is, that is not cool. Super <laughs> loser. But like, I would never want to be Chris Cornell. Rest his soul, whatever. No. Um I mean, I would want to be my version of Chris yeah, Cornell, yeah. which was yeah, like yeah. maybe a little pudgier. But like, was it the power of his voice? Was it the adulation? Was it the, did you really like his singing or no, that I, song? I did like, did like his singing, although I thought he was a little flat in those days. But uh, no, see, I didn't it, like his singing. It was, it, like, was his, it was his confidence, which I didn't have. Oh, okay, I could yeah. not have stood, or you, right? Mm. I mean, I remember at the off ramp, you guys played one time and uh, I was the assistant manager. Mm-hmm. And the manager came over to me and said, you know, right about when you were about to go on, and said, we're about 200 people over capacity, but don't say anything. <laughs> um, I mean, those were the Wild West days in yes. Seattle, right? Like, yes. you could be 200 over capacity. Yeah. And then you guys played, and it was one of the greatest shows I ever saw. And I, you. as you were, as the audience was filing out, and everybody was just mashed, uh, and somebody else walked past me and was like, uh, said something to the effect of like, well, you can't top that wow. about the show. And it wow. was true. Like wow. at that moment in Seattle at yeah. that time, that was the band, right? And that was yeah. the show. Yeah. I didn't have the confidence to stand up there in front at the time 
and believe in what I was doing enough to have fronted a band like that. I was mm. too self-critical. I would have gotten up there and been kind of in that indie rock style, like, sorry, hi, well, you might hi apologize. Yeah. sorry that I have to inflict my music on you right now. I mean, you were on Barsook, right? So yeah, right. Barsook, the ultimate yeah. I'm sorry label. <laughs> it was later when I was like, in the in the Western State Hurricanes, but I was yeah. twenty nine. Okay, and at Where that yeah, at that point I realized, oh, the only, I mean, if you just pretend to not give a fuck, then no one has any power over you, and eventually maybe right. it will turn into that you don't. Yeah, give a fuck. and which did happen to me. Yeah, right. I got up and I was like, well, I'm pretending that I don't care until I think until you make it, and I and it worked. Totally. And I was like, holy shit, I don't care anymore. Wow, that's a <laughs> lot of. But I didn't have that at twenty one. I hear you. And so watching Chris Cornell and just watching him, I mean, I remember at the, at the show at the Crocodile, and I wrote about this in the obituary I wrote for him in The Stranger. Oh, nice. Uh, like a beautiful girl in a baby doll dress with combat boots ran up on stage and kissed him uh-huh. in between songs during that CD release party. And, you know, he gently escorted her off the stage. And then he said into the mic, you know, if I was a female singer and that was a dude, that wouldn't have been okay at all. And FYI, you know, this is my work environment. And that's, you know, bear in mind that it's intrusive even with the. Wow. Yeah. You know, this is 1991. I didn't know that, though. That's Very interesting. Woke of him for that time it was. Period. And I was mm-hmm. like, huh. But also, if, a, if that girl had kissed me under any circumstances, <laughs> I would have, you know, I would have been like so grateful. So for him to have so much power. Yeah. To be like, yes. I would, I would prefer that you not like shower me with love right now because I'm doing, I'm doing my job. Right, right. I was like, whoa, that's a, that's yes, a I see what you mean. Yeah, right. I totally see what you mean. It's funny because in Hammerbox, I had tons of anxiety. I mean, you could have, any show you would have seen me in the back going, I would much rather be at home taking a bath <laughs> and reading comics. Like, I don't want to be here. I would just have a lot of nervousness. But once I got on stage, I guess my mindset was like, well, you can't get off. Right. So you better look forward. You're done now. And it's forward or nothing. And a lot of kind of fake it. But once also singing for me, um, once I'm singing, I'm like, in a, I'm, I'm more comfortable. Sure. And I, I can do that, you know, or um, I mean, there's circumstances where you don't when there's like two people in the room and you're like, well, this feels weird. Like, um but once I got in there, and those shows were so crammed yeah. that you just felt kind of cozy, and yeah. that helped too. Like a loud, being surrounded by a loud band, tons of people. I didn't feel alone or naked up top. You know, I was like, oh, we're all in this together. I'm just the loudest one here with the yeah. mic. Like, ah! <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but I also, um, when you talk about Chris Cornell and handling the stage stuff too, like I... Uh, like I was very, my sister asked me one time, she's like, I don't understand how you have the patience to like talk to everybody. And I'm like, it, it might've been our mother, but it was like, I'm very princess grace about it. I'm very like, uh-huh. this is the people who've come and paid money and say hello. I mean, I don't let, I wouldn't let people harm me or uh, be weird too long, but, um, but I'm very, yes, thank you. <laughs> like, or people get up on stage or run up or people want to, people like to hug me a lot. Like, so I would just be like, all right. Yeah. We're hugging. You better get off. But you're hugging. Okay. <laughs> you can hug me for one, I, I two, it. and... And you need to go done, now. Right. Get off of me. Um, because, you know, I was just like, okay, you're excited. <laughs> Maybe I was always a mom. Like, that's nice. That's okay. Okay, honey. 
Get well, off music of me, no. was so religious at that point. I mean, we were. Yeah. It was all any of us had. Right? Which is really lovely, though, to love something so much. Like I'm always um, when people say they love certain things like movies or books or gaming or whatever, and they feel kind of embarrassed about it. I'm like, no, that's awesome. You love something a lot. Like, that's yeah. a good feeling. People that's not dorky. That's for sure. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter what it is. Some stupid video game we're saying or whatever. It's like if you, if that brings you joy, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah and you have something yeah. that you're into. I just have appreciation for that. Yeah. It's different than being a fan uh, in the sense of like being a fan of Marvel comics or being a yeah. fan of, Oh yeah, the Star yeah. Wars universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we would go to those things and and uh, you know you go to a Jesus Lizard concert and if he spit on you or cut <laughs> you with a knife, I know you'd be like, "Thank you, <laughs> thank you for giving me a permanent scar." <laughs> exactly. Well, that's a little nuts, isn't it? Adulation like that, or yeah. idolatry? I can't say that. I was saying, like when I saw you, I, thank you. Yeah. Like when when I saw you, it was just was. Yes, it was a uh, color box. I think it was at the color box. Oh, really? somewhere. Yeah, I was like down in Pioneer Square. Yeah. And I just remember like, I was intimidated by you up on the stage. I was like, she oh, seems right. really awesome. She might kick scary. me. Yeah. <laughs> well, I used to, you no. know, full, full confession, I used to go to Parnassus and get a coffee and sit in the back of the room so that you wouldn't notice me staring at you. Really? And it was, I would, oh, that's I would, awesome. I would watch you work and you were just a normal girl at work right you yeah. were just like normal coffee girl who was doing coffee work yes and because i was trying to square that with what i'd seen you do on stage right isn't that weird and you know i had access to see you where i didn't or i could see jason finn mm -hmm. but i couldn't go to where kim thale worked and stare right. at him and try and figure out what you know like what did, yeah. and that was the great <laughs> thing about seattle at the time right you could yes. find mark arm at parties yeah. And see him and be like, oh, I'm trying to square what you are right now, like nodding off at this house party <laughs> versus what I saw you do on stage. It's weird. But like yeah, I could yeah. I could see because I was going to the UW. It's not like mm -hmm. I went to Parnassus like a, I, I like took a, a bus off in from the Everett. <laughs> like, it was there or go, go, well, that's to, the, creepy, go to the Ev, right? Um, but but yeah, I was trying to again, like I was studying. I didn't have a band. I didn't have, I didn't even own a guitar. Yeah. But I was studying how you could do both things, how you could be, yeah. I could have so much power on stage and then just walk around. And right. <laughs> I mean, the first time I talked to Jason Finn, he was waiting for a bus. He was waiting for right. the number 43 bus. Yeah. And I walked awesome. up to him and I was like, you're the drummer of Love Battery. And he was like, yeah. 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 <laughs> he said, got his voice good. Yeah. I yeah. said, well, you're, I mean, you're really great. Like you're kind of the best thing about Love Battery. Because love battery is not very good, but you are good. And he was like, ah, whatever, you know, leave me alone, kid. And I was like, you're one year older than me. I'm not a kid. I was like, ah, whatever. That's uh, so him. You do a really like, good one. Really trying to to connect with musicians. Yeah. Right? The first time I talked to Ken Stringfellow, I mean, you know, just immediately before he turned into a bat and went up and hung upside down in the rafters. Yeah. I was like, how are you just walking around? You know? Well, we just podcasted with him yesterday. Yeah. No. Yes. Yes. No. And 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 um, how did it go? Where is it? It's great. In no, he's in uh, with Tool. Is that right? In no, no. Well, or, he's or touring he with John. They're, John and him are doing an acoustic tour, so oh, they I were in that. Montana and they're coming through. I'm going to sing backups with them in Tacoma right. on a couple songs. And um, I, 
I mean, I knew who he was because Posey's all kind of around the same time. But then, like, Mike Squires, when I was dating him, he lived with Ken. That's right. And so I remember talking Ken was like, hey, we should do a record together. But I, I mean, at that age, too, it's sort of like, yeah, there's too much weird stuff going on around you. You seem kind of controlling. <laughs> I don't like that. Like, I don't think I'm going to get into that. It was, you know, like, we had friends that were all kind of too mishmashed together. And yeah. I, I don't like that. And I was like, mm. But... I had a great conversation with him yesterday, again, about songwriting. And there were so many things he said where I was like, me too. Like, "Ah." just the way we think about the 20s and the unconscious, like, synchronicity and trying to retap into that or writing. And I I love that he doesn't, he, you funny, I would, I would think that he super over intellectualizes like his music, but he's like, no, I I really don't. Like, I just want, it's important to keep doing. Have you, have you listened to his first solo album? The, um, it's called The Soft. Machine, soft. I may have. Something. What's it called? There soft. was a couple songs. If it's the one I'm thinking of, that one in particular, I should look it up too. That I adore. I was like, whoa, that's amazing. He he made a he made his first record after he after the Posey stopped mm-hmm. recording. Um, well, we, the Long Winters actually he recruited us as his backing band. Really? And uh, we did. A whole net national tour, two big legs of a national tour, playing. Uh, oh, soft commands. Yes. In two thousand four. Yes. We played. Uh, we played. We learned that record. You know, and all of he, all of his songs are in alternate tunings. So okay. he, a lot of the time, he'll just tune the guitar to something. Yeah. And then he'll then the the open chord or whatever it is will inspire songwriting. Interesting. Because Ooh. his guitar is suddenly a different instrument. Yeah. But it makes it very difficult to be his band because okay. he's like, oh, well, this next song is in this C minus tuning that only exists in my imagination. <laughs> you're like, burr, 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 trying to get your guitar. And then, yeah. of course, you don't know what you're playing, right? None of the. Okay. Uh, unless you're really musically gifted and can transpose all these new notes. I was just making chord shapes that he taught me okay, with yeah. no idea what. Interesting, really. How I could have duplicated. And I almost 100%, if you had had a guitar in normal tuning, you could have just played those chords. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Normally. But yeah. because he had written it in this oh. tuning, he, he played it that way. I didn't, I didn't realize you, had gone, you guys had gone on tour with him as well. And he made, he uh, co-produced the second Long Winter's record. Right, right. Did he? So we worked together pretty intimately. Did you like that? So Ken, as a producer, yeah. was... Uh, in some ways, the best experience I ever had in a studio. Nice. Because Ken always, and this isn't, you know, he is a controlling guy. He feels like he controls social situations uh-huh. in a way that's like, that where you say like, man, I don't know if I want to be in this bar with you, <laughs> right? But from in a recording situation, yeah, no one ever said yes with as much enthusiasm as yeah. Ken said about every idea. So yeah. you're like, well, what if we put a melodic on this? He's like, yes, let's get it and let's do it. Yes, I love that. And then if it didn't work, he was also kind of the first one to be like, well, I don't know, it doesn't seem like it's working. Why don't we try something else? Yeah. So working with him, like you were always moving, no one ever pissed on your idea. Yeah. Most of the time, if you follow a bad idea long enough, you everybody realizes it. You're mm-hmm. just like, mm, well, I guess this didn't pan out. But he never got down. Yeah. He never like he never made it feel like we we had lost momentum. He always was going. And so I loved working with him. And in fact, it kind of broke my heart that 
afterwards i was like well shit can you and i like let's just yes we right? just made a great record let's just keep making records and he was like yes uh well i have other projects in mind yeah. and i yeah. am going to move there now Dude, and i was yeah. like oh yeah. don't leave no. me Come yeah. on. which album was that soft commands was his record and the record he worked on uh of ours was uh Putting the days, or no, I'm sorry, uh, when I pretend to fall. Okay, so nice. sort of the record wow. that put us on the map, yeah. yeah. And Chris Walla also uh, worked on that yeah. album, the two of them together, never at the same time. They, mm. they traded interesting. Yeah. Well, I told him, you know, he lives in France now, and and uh, as I'm looking at sort of having a conversation with myself about okay, what do you like about music? Like at this time, I'm like, I just want adventures. Like. I don't want to get in a van and start touring all over the place. But God, I was like, but, all right. But I want adventures. And I was like, oh, I know what I'm going to do. I'm like, Ken, I'm coming to France. I speak French fluently. I'm like, I'm going to go. Let's record an EP. Maybe I'll go play some shows and go meet my family and go home. Like, that sounds great. Like, that could be a, a week and a half. Like, you know, I could do that. And that, that's what I want. I just need. Yeah. I want. I mean, I have fantasies like. I want to play with Martha Wainwright in Montreal. Like this is a fantasy of mine. Like you know, I, like it. I want to do that. I want to play interesting shows. I want to collaborate with people. I would love to do something with you. Yeah. And just will be like one-offs. Like let's. I don't know. Let's see what happens. Make it. Play it. Boom. Done. Do it too. Yeah. And then just have. Don't worry about what it is because it's about the communing again. Yeah, collaborating, yeah. communing. Like and and I don't have preconceptions. I'm like, well, we're both smart. We're talented. Something's got to happen. <laughs> you know. Like I'm not really worried about it. Um, because it's the, if I'm not in it, I get really distanced from it, especially being a parent and working. It's easy to be like, oh yeah. Like, but once I'm in the studio, I'm like, oh God, I forgot. I love this. Or, um, I, I just really enjoy it. And so talking to him was really interesting just to hear like his process of writing and not overthinking things and his like, not his need, but just his way of just, just keep doing things and don't overthink it. Oh, it's a need. I yeah. Mean, Ken's been, Ken has played music yeah. in 300 countries or something. Right. Like he is driven. He does want to get in the van. He's driven to yeah. tour, driven to keep moving and play. He posted some pictures of him doing shows in like Azerbaijan and Georgia yeah, and yeah, Armenia yeah, yeah, yeah. and stuff. And it's like, huh, you know what those are like, right? You've rolled into enough towns yeah. where nobody's ever heard of you. Yeah. And you go into the pub somewhere and there's an audience of like five people who are oh, friends yeah. of the dude that brought you yes. and then 10 people who are there drinking. Yeah. And then 15 more people are like an American. <laughs> and all of a sudden it's a, it's an audience and Ken yeah. plays a show for them. That is the, with the same amount of energy that he would play yeah. for the, the sold out uh, show box. Yeah. But I'm not driven that way. I'm not I either. I do not want to go. I, you know, mm -hmm. that, whatever that is like, yeah. not, worth all the trouble i think i realized a long time ago when i started doing after enough time and into solo stuff i i knew i didn't want to admit it but i knew i'm like i i'm not the girl who's gonna be on the road alone in a hotel right. I, I, it's too lonely for me it will, Super lifer, it'll yeah. crush my soul um i also had kind of this it felt like as a woman i was like it's either one or the other you can't have family and a child and do or and do music, you know, which uh, I don't know. I don't know. That's such a hard conversation for me because like, I know how I am as a mother. Like I would feel guilty 
but I'm like deeply attached to my kid, you know? So it's hard for me to just leave him somewhere to a fault. I think people say, so when, 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 uh, when I was going to have my kid, Mm -hmm. I had a lot of conversations with people in the music business Mm -hmm. who were like, Oh, well, I guess your touring days are over. Oh, Shelby Earl's about to have a baby. And everyone's like, Oh, you're done. Too bad. And I was like, why do you say that? And they were like, well, you're not, you can't, do it with a kid. And I'm like, how do you know? Right. I mean, people do it with a kid and they're like, well, no, I mean, it it was, there was so much just like nagging energy Mm -hmm. that, and I really felt like I had to fight just to keep, it's not like I did go on tour during that period (laughs) because I didn't want to, Right. but I had to fight people that that was a, that that was wrong. Yeah. Right. Just point out like David Bowie has kids. Yeah. Right. You You have kids and you, here's the thing. If you're, if you lose something important to you in your life and feel like the kid is the reason, yeah, the kid's always going to know that. And the kid right. is going to feel that pain mm-hmm. yeah. that you resent them for them depriving you of something you love. What I found out is when you have a kid, all of a sudden, a lot of like, all of a sudden that Tuesday night show at the crocodile just isn't important to you anymore, right? No. It's not like I'm being kept away from that. It's like, whoa, Thank you. I can't believe I ever yeah. wanted to do that. Yeah, exactly. Because your kid is just so much more interesting. Oh, yeah. But as time's gone on, right, I've gone back to traveling quite a bit. I travel a lot. Do you? For my okay. job, All right. right? Because, and podcasting has opened up a whole new world mm-hmm. for my music. Oh, nice. Because people in show business, mm-hmm. The one thing no one can do is play music, right? Everybody thinks they're a comedian. Right. Everybody can be a podcaster. Yeah. But not everybody can get up and sing a song. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, I just got back from Sketchfest, which is a big comedy podcasting festival in San Francisco. Nice. It goes for a whole month. Yeah. I've gone every year for the last eight years. I do my podcasts, but then I get invited to be on everybody else's show. Oh, that's awesome. So like I was headed down there, I got an email from Busy Phillips and she was like, yeah. you want to be on my show? Yeah. I couldn't because I was on someone else's show at the same time. Right. And then, so each night I would do my podcast and then I would go guest on three other shows, which basically are, you just sit down, do an interview, mm-hmm. hang out, goof around. And then they're like, well, why don't you play us a song? And you do, you, it's kind of a joke now, uh, do a couple songs. Like I have a couple, yeah. I have other musician friends who are like, oh, are you doing a couple songs? Yeah, I'm doing a couple songs. Because, because other people really, that's like the content that they yeah. can't get elsewhere. Right? Yeah. And they don't, most of these people don't know my music. It, does, it, does, it doesn't matter. Interesting. Right? If you're on, like I did a show with the guys from Kids in a Hall. Oh, nice. Kids in the Hall. Kids in the yeah, Hall. Yeah, yeah. They were like, will you come on our show and do a couple of songs? I was like, Yeah. You yeah. guys have never heard of the Long Winters, and they were like, "Oh, we hear you're great." We and just hear you're yeah. great, and it was just like <laughs> it was a total like do a couple songs. Well, like yeah, my, my daughter was excited because she's fans of the McElroy Brothers. So right. She's like, "Oh, John Roderick." Yeah, I I'm have like, a, my song is the theme song of their podcast. Oh, nice. Yeah. What? Yeah, because, that's so cool. Because they were like, when that podcast started, they wrote me this is years ago, and they were like, "Hey, we're three brothers from uh, West Virginia starting a podcast where we give relationship advice." Can we use a long, we're big fans of the long winners. Can we use your song as our theme song? And I was like, 
Sure, kid. Whatever. Sure. Yeah. Don't bother me. You know, go ahead. Well, now their show's got like a million, huge, yeah. a million uh, downloads. Oh, an that's so cool. They're big, big, big stars. They sold out two nights at the Paramount. Oh, I love that. And there's got to deal with Marvel to write a comic book series, right? And they what? use my song as their theme. That's awesome. And they and they and they and they, uh, and they, they give me a shout out every single episode. They're like, we'd like to thank John Rutter for the long letters for his use of his song. It's like part of their fan community. Yeah. I love that. I don't, when you, how did you find out about Sketchfest? And can anybody go? Well, they get invited, right? I mean, okay. it's like a, it's like a, okay. uh, it's like a Comic Con or something. You get, okay. um, but what happened was I had a podcast and people, enough people liked it. Yeah. They reached out and were like, hey, will you do your podcast live at our festival? And I was nice. like, I don't know how to do that, but sure. Yeah. And how you do it is you show up and there's a little stage and an audience and you sit there with your microphones. Yeah. And you do your podcast and people are like, Yay! <laughs> I want to do that. And yeah. so it was, it was, it was popular. And then the next year they did it again. But the thing is that I have that entree. Yeah. Which is people know, have heard of my band, whether yes. they knew it or liked it. Yeah. They've heard. It. So once I was there, you know, everybody else is like casting about like, how am I going to fill up my show? Right. And, and, the organizers were like, well, the guy from the long winters is here. <laughs> and so it just immediately like the, that, even that first year, yeah. I just did five shows right That's away. So awesome. And they were all weird comedy, uh, interview shows. Oh, and like, I love that. Like I did a show this year, which is, um, we, every person on the show just wrote the first chapter of a terrible book. Uh, it's called worst first chapter and you just get you get up and you just read the first chapter of this really bad book that you just wrote yeah and i wrote like a like a um like a it was the theme was fantasy science fiction yeah so i just wrote the first chapter of the hobbit if, <laughs> if it was being written by a guy from a collection agency that was following them oh, oh i love that gandalf's staff was going to get repossessed <laughs> and it needed to like catch him the Repo Man and the Hobbit. Together. Repo Man and oh the Hobbit. That's God, right. I love that. I watched that movie. And so yeah, so I was just I was just having the best time writing it, and and then I got up, and everybody else did really brilliant first chapters too. Sure. So this is the kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. You know that that once you get once you get over into weird podcast land. Yes. But as a musician, a pre-existing creative person. Yeah. Then there are all these places you can populate with your imagination because. You're an unknown quantity. Right. Comedians, they all know. Right. And they can judge. Yeah. But but musicians I get that. are like this, they're like this mysterious magic. I band. wonder if any of them know Hammerbox or Goodness or anything like that. Absolutely. I mean. Because I would love to do that. That's just kind of the thing with podcasting is that I love, like, especially around comedians. Like, I have a total fascination around comedians. I would never do comedy. But I love the work ethic. I love the tribalism yeah, you know yeah, right like i love being around it Did, special rules special language oh yeah exactly and, and, and an experience of failure that is incomparable <laughs> right. like i could never survive that i was like people are like hey, ever thought of acting i'm like oh god no i could never that's too that's scary to me because well, when you start to bomb on stage you always have the guitar right there yes right. you're like oh you didn't like that joke well <laughs> and it just shuts them all back for real. Yeah. Do you have a, a, a lot of fun at these? Do you love it? I do. I yeah. do. And, you know, as you were talking about coming back into music and thinking about how to reconnect with it, 
right about the time that goodness and the Western State hurricanes were happening, right? We were both mm-hmm. 30, more or less, yeah. right? Like yeah. right around 30. Mm-hmm. And I, that whole generation of Seattle musicians that I came up with, mm-hmm. starting in 92 and going to 98, 99, mm-hmm. we were all turning 30. And that list of bands uh, that made up the Seattle scene at the time, right. right? we could all just sit and name all those bands. Yeah. None of them continued. There was like this, lo- yeah. this line in the sand. Not funny. At the year 2000. <laughs> yes. Where all of a sudden, you know, it's like pre-Death Cab Modest Mouse, post-Death Cab yes. Modest Mouse. And all, the, all these bands, they stopped. And the reason is that a lot of musicians had it in their head that if they hadn't, quote unquote, made it by 30, mm. that they were going to quit music and get serious. Because when you're 28, nothing seems like a bigger deal than being 30. Right. And when you're 50 and you're like... 30. Like, <laughs> you had two 30. more decades. Dude, I wouldn't even I wouldn't even date a 30-year-old if you gave me $400 to so fucking young, stupid, and boring. But at 28, yes. you're like, fuck, I'm 30. Yeah. Well, so, so many people quit. They got to 30 and they were like, well, I, we never made it out of the sit and spin. And yeah. so I'm going to go get a job at Amazon or Microsoft. Mm-hmm. Well, about when I was about 40, I started hearing from a lot of those people who were like, well, I've been working at this software job for 10 years, and I realized that music is actually all I ever wanted to do. Right. And now I've, like, got a house and money and stuff, but but music is missing from my life, and I don't. Yeah. And I want to get back into it. And they'd show up with their Telecasters and be like, so how do I get a show at the high dive right and they were asking me because i was still active yeah right i still had a band and was like playing live shows and i was like i don't you get a show at the high dive the same way everybody else does like right (laughs) just make a demo and try and get some people out to your show and they had a really hard time because they had yeah quit yeah and they you can't just start where you left off yeah right nobody now remembers yeah you know remembers carmine yeah. Um, but that, but I learned a lot in that moment. And this is 10 years ago. Sure. Hearing from all these people who had artificially closed the door on music mm-hmm. because they thought it was a youthful, uh, frivolous yeah. hobby yeah. thing that either you made it or if you didn't, then you needed to get serious. This It's in the same family of like, well, you can't do this now that you're a mom. Right. Right. You have to get serious at a certain point. You only have so much time. And there's there's serious and music isn't that. Right. But the fact is fucking music is the most serious. Oh, yeah. And you can't, if you if it's in you, you it's in you. Yeah. Right? It's hard work. That's what people, I think, who don't do it don't understand. Oh. Like, you're outside the, of it. Think about like, the amount of time you put into your bands. Like, pre-kid, that's a part-time job. Just practice. Yeah. And then it's the shows every weekend. I mean, there were at least a few decades where, like, I never got to go to anybody's barbecue. Like, I was playing a show every weekend or mm-hmm. I was gone. Right. Um, I, oh, my family's doing something? Oh, not there. You know, just on the road doing something constantly. And I, the immersion I loved, I mean, 
that I liked what I did, you know, but there were some things that I, I felt like I was missing. But I, at 38, I totally did the freak out about um, like I didn't have a band. I didn't have a relationship. I didn't. I really hit this wall of like, I'm not married. Don't have a kid. I don't even have a boyfriend. I'm not doing music. Oh, my God. Right. And so I went and got a job at Nordstrom, which is like right. not I'm not a naughty girl, um, but I wanted structure because I hadn't had any. I wanted like, oh, I need a four. I want to be a part of something that's like, if I do this, I get this, I get that. Right. I want to own a car. I want to. Oh, so I had, I bought a house. I got a car. I went into massive debt. House went upside down. I mean, like in the, in the span of two years, I think I had all that, got married, had a kid, like, you know, and I remember waking up one day going, I, I used to be a rock star. And now I'm getting yelled at by some skinny girl in a pencil skirt. I feel like the fat girl in high school. I'm a mom and I'm cleaning up after a grown man. Like, what the hell happened? Like, <laughs> it was five years ago that what I was like commanding an audience. Yeah. But then you get kind of addicted to um, money security, yep. but also the like, oh, I can go get things. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I'm smart enough to go get job, you know, whatever. Like, oh, we went to, I got hired by Target.com. We moved. And it took me a long time and up until recently to go, because I used to feel this just depressive schism in me. Like, well, I'm doing well over here and that's nice, but I feel extremely lonely. I have forgotten my authentic self. I used to feel powerful. And now I just feel kind of depressed and I don't, you know, like me or whatever. Disconnected, yeah. Yeah, and like overweight and, blah, and all this just stuff. And um, it's in the last like year and a half where um, well, I got the job at the Gates Foundation, which which is big. But, but I went into that, and this is accumulation of learning, fully going, you're going to be 100% authentic, whatever that means. We need to go be us, whatever that means. And I went into that interview definitely like, yep, I don't want to do some things. Like I did, I enjoyed the conversation. I did not. I have no fear because I'm like, you either like me or you don't. I can't, I can't do this. Like, let me right. make you like me. And well, and the job's not about consumerism like the other ones. Oh it's God. Those are, yeah. It's, well, like, and, it's helping people. And workplaces have cultures and they can be all friendly and even say, we want to hire you to shake it up. But I'm like, I don't think I'll be changing this culture. I'm pretty sure I'll be consumed by it and demolished. Right. And this is the first year where I've been in in my mind, like radically myself, where it's like in all and trying to discover the moments when I'm not like, no, I laugh loud. I say weird things. My hair's purple and I'm willing to get fired because and I know I don't believe I want to work that way. Right. And just, you know, like any any way to get like I need to be me, you know, and and a big part of that also is music. I, I've. I really tried to be like, yes, I play music. When I was at work, I used to be like, oh, yeah, that's I would shy away from talking about it. But now I'd be like, yes, that's who I am. Because everywhere I go, there's somebody, especially in the Northwest where I'm working, where weird things, I'll get into an elevator and someone's like, <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And nothing is said, you know, true, so like, why are you looking at me that way? Like, oh, you, do you know me? Because I can sound like a real asshole. Do you know me from a band? When we and, worked know, together, it was a similar sort of thing. I was like, oh, my God, that's yeah, like where? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where I mean, like, all right. To you and I'm like, I know who you are. Exactly. I was at the Gates Foundation. I go down to IT service, and there's something wrong with my phone. And I was like, he's like, what's your name? And I was like, Carrie. And he's like, last name. I go, Ocri. And he goes, and he like, he goes, Ocri, like yeah, Carrie Ocri from Love And I was like, yeah, that's me. Like I'm trying to be all like, yes. Yes. I am that gal. Fix my phone. That's me. <laughs> you know? Or or doing things like this sounds small, but for me they're big. Like 
singing songs for my family, like my husband's family, like saying, oh, I'll play you a song. Because I never, that's like probably one of the most vulnerable spots for me. Like I never played music for my family. Yeah. Um, those two worlds were very different. And, and and sadly enough, like I wish I had talked more about it so that I didn't feel so alone in it. Because when shit hit the fan and I, that loneliness was deep, yeah, yeah, deep. Yeah. And I remember... Um, I remember talking to my mom one year where I, I did at thir- somewhere at thirtieth or I hit a wall of depression like unlike I'd ever. I, I'm a really sunshiny person, but this was I literally was like, whoa, what's happening? Like, I mean, drinking. I never sought alcohol ever on tour, even in the worst breakups. It never even crossed my mind to go to a bar, but for something happened cumulative, I think, where I hit a wall of loneliness and despair that was unlike anything I've ever felt. And I remember my mom calling and going, well, why don't you call someone? And I was like, I don't know who I would call who knows what I've been through or my experience. Who would, who would that, even in my own community, community of musicians, I was like, who might that be? Right. Because I never talked to anybody. I don't think people talk to each other like, hey, I'm having a really hard time. I'm, uh, how's it for you? You know, like, so that's a big thing for me. That's just part of the conversations. Like, I want to talk to people. <laughs> like, like, how are you? Well, I feel it's, weird. <laughs> it's key. And I, we didn't, we didn't know how to talk about it before. And part of it was part of the hard part of uh, around here, at least is that it was not okay to talk about having ambition. Right. It was not okay to be ambitious. So to suffer the pain of having ambitions thwarted yeah. was all you were already two layers into some taboos. Yeah. You couldn't talk about being depressed about unfulfilled ambition because you shouldn't have had ambition in the first place. Right, right. And so there was a lot there were a lot of mines in the ground around here that we weren't conscious of having to navigate. But it 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 inhibited us. Uh, it inhibited our ability to come together and talk honestly with each other. Yeah, there were some people that were just open about uh, about what they wanted, mm-hmm. but a lot of times it was like the guys in Man Ray or whatever who were like, "We're going right. to be the biggest That's rock right. stars in Sweetwater. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, Ray. like we're going to be huge." Yeah, but that was not what you could do normally, right? right. You could not. You guys. It's not like goodness was ever like, we're going to be the biggest band in the world. Right. No, there was like self-effacement was a big right. part of our thing. So that's isolating mm-hmm. for there to be that many rules yeah, around right. how you're allowed to express yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I was the band leader and was very controlling and very, uh, because I was trying to man- manage and master all those expectations. Sure, yeah. Not just other people's, but my own. Everything. Right. So, I mean, there were people around me that I could have asked for help, but that's the last thing I would have done. Right, you know? yeah. Like, why would I show my vulnerability to that person? They would they'd try and eat my face. Right. Well, they wouldn't. They would have been happy. happy exactly, help, yeah, you know? exactly. Uh, so it took a long time. I mean, now I'm able to, to talk about then and now mm-hmm. in terms of depression and anxiety and sadness yeah. and fear 
I'm the yeah. same as you. Like, yeah. It, when I'm standing on the side of the stage, two minutes before I take the stage, <laughs> I'm like, please let this venue burn down. <laughs> please I let know. a tidal wave come. <laughs> please let there be, a, you know, an earthquake. But then as soon as I step on stage, I'm like, oh. I'm in it. Let's yeah. go. Big time. Rock uh-huh. show. Yeah. And uh, I don't know how. I've, I've, it's yeah, happened don't a million ask. times. I don't know how <laughs> I, I walk across that threshold. Yeah. But I step into the light and I'm alive. But yeah. immediately beforehand, I'm like, this is the worst idea I ever had. Why did I agree to do this show? Totally. How, where did I even meet these people? Like, yes. <laughs> oh my God, I'm so glad to hear you I say I want to be in the bathtub right now so bad. <laughs> and then, you know, then you hear those drumsticks like, and you're like, all oh, right. Yeah. Well. Yeah. But there's an, I love, uh, like, I love the feeling of power and empowerment on stage. Like, if I'd like to exp- I love expressing myself. And once I, once I get on there too, I feel good. I feel yeah, like, Oh yeah, yeah. All right. I got this, you know, yeah. but do you ever, I struggle with the, you know, when you're booking shows, it's months out, right? Yeah. Like, so you book it and months out and the day comes, and you're like, Oh God, that's like the last thing I want to do. Yeah. Um, and I definitely, uh, when I started working corporate, like, uh, and I was really depressed. It was a combination of too much sugar, alcohol, no sleep, whatever. I started to get panic attacks. Yeah. Like my very first panic attacks. Um, I remember the very first one I had. It was terrifying. And then they got chronic. Like I couldn't control them. Oh, dear. And so um, so I had to get on citalopram just to control them. Um, but, but it, and it, you know, and I'm such a driver that I wouldn't be like, hey, you got a crazy job. You're really depressed. Like maybe we shake it up. Maybe we don't have a house. Maybe we sell that <laughs> shit. Like calm <laughs> down. Like, you know, you don't need this. Like, you know, maybe it's, it's hard for me to say, oh, to not to fail, but to be like, oh, you've reached a limit. Like this, this is too much. I'm like too much. Like I've been going since you know, like go go and cut in music. You do. I mean, you would like especially touring. Like it is grinded out, grinded out. There is no stopping. And like, um, so I had gotten in this mode of just like endure, calling it working hard. Uh, and yeah, it really started to mess me up. But with shows. I would have and feel terrible. Like I, I don't even want to say all that, but I'm like the queen of like, I got cancer. I can't play like, you yeah, know, yeah, like, yeah, right. and not that I love that, but I, I, uh, I would struggle with that. Like, Oh God, why? You know, I don't want to play. Why? I do the same thing. Right. Why? Why would I play? Why, why am I, I here? Ever say yes to this. Who cares? And when they, you're right, they asked you six months ago and you're like, Oh, that could yeah, be fun. Totally. And then, uh, then you're there and you're like, I don't, I don't like these people. I don't know. There, there's no money in the world to pay. Yeah. Me to I feel this. lonely. I want to yeah. go home. I'm homesick. Like, why do people do this? Like, and I'd love to get rid of that a little bit. I don't, yeah, I don't understand it. I, there are people that, that never, I don't, that I think just can't wait to get out on stage. You don't get the yeah. feeling that David, David Lee Roth is like, oh, why no. did I say yes to this? Yeah. You know, he's just like, yeah. <laughs> but a lot of us yeah. are, have that, like, that dread. I don't know what to do to get rid of it. I don't, I don't either. I try and like. Um, it makes the job harder. Well, it makes me sad. Yeah. It makes me sad because I'm like, you love doing this. Why do you, I don't want to feel this. Like, keep it, I try to keep it simple. I'm just like, you're just playing songs. You know, like, right. stop making this bigger than it is. And it doesn't have to be perfect. 
blah, blah, blah. Like well, that, you, how do you feel after the word when you go into Oh, I feel like great, that. always. So, yeah, that's the thing I try to remember that. But I do. Like, oh, but the last time <laughs> I said no, and I did it, it was great. You know? <laughs> I will say, I will do this. I'll, any, anything to get me over the hump, I'll be like, if you do this, you can have a pizza. Like, yeah. or you can watch movies or you get to go home and like, and that will literally calm me down. Yeah. It's not even like you got this beautiful show ahead of you communing with people. And I'm like, oh no, the only thing sustaining me is like, you get a snuggle in bed. Yeah. You get a beat. Something. I'm like, awesome. Can't wait. <laughs> it's not sad. It's effective reward system. Hey, you gotta do sad. stuff like that. I know. I don't think it's sad. I think that's, if it works, more of it. It is working. Whatever. Yeah. I, I won't judge myself. I'll get judgy on myself. Yeah. Okay. Well, this has been lovely. Yeah. Uh, this I want to do this lovely. again. <laughs> well, we should. The thing is uh, that what I really think is amazing is that you, after everything you've described, like you're really doing this podcast. Yes. And yeah. there are a lot of people right now who are like, I should do a podcast. But not <laughs> many of them have showed up here at my house on a Saturday yeah. afternoon and been like, here we are. Let's do our podcast. And that's exciting, right? And that yes. is a that's a reinvestment in in being like alive and, yeah. and chasing something, right? Well, it's and, taken me a long time to get to this year. I particularly, and I'm ready this year to say it's in the doing. So yeah. you can talk about this all day. I mean, it's been a year. We we, we yeah. were laughing like, oh, we do a podcast a year, and I was like, that's got to change. Yeah. Like, when are we going to get going and living? And it took me a long time after my mom died to um, to be able. To I always had great ideas, but I just wasn't able to do it or anxiety, all sorts of stuff. But this year, I feel so much better. I feel ready. And I think I have a better understanding that, well, it's not going to get done unless you get it done. Right. So regardless of your mood, go do it. Stop. Shut up. <laughs> go do <laughs> lovingly, it. Lovingly. Lovingly to myself. Right. Well, one of the coolest things about this uh, media for me is that when we were making music in the early days, right? Mm -hmm. All you had was your voice in your songs. It was the only way you could communicate with people. Nobody, or like stand up on stage and be like, stop moshing for <laughs> yeah. two seconds while I have this smart thought. <laughs> and so those times when you would get an interview in the rocket or something, and you had a, you had a chance where they would quote yes. you four times yeah. to like get some, something out of you, like something yeah. that you needed to say. But now with this, these venues, you can really express all everything you know, yeah. all the stuff. Well, you know? And people are psyched to hear it. Like they, the, to get to hear whomever you like, musically even talk and hear about their lives. People want to commune the same way. They do. Did I? And before we finish, though, I it's been on my mind. But I was like, like you're multifaceted too. Because remember when I told when you and Sean were doing just like. The banter shows. I don't know what the hell they were, but I remember when KEXP did something in the green room, and I think I said to you that I'm like, it was, um, I loved it so much, and there's so rarely like art things that, that I love, and I was like, oh my God, I, I would pay money to just watch you and Sean Nelson talk because it really was pleasurable. Like, I was like, I loved that. Oh my God, I need more of that. So I just say, like, you're good at that as well. I just loved it. He is so smart, and for seven years I've been saying, let's do a podcast. Or yes. just you do a podcast. Yes. And, and I think uh, he always felt like, well, no. What would, you know, nobody cares, or what would I say? And, you know, all those things about that yeah, people are sure. inhibited. I still think he would be one of the great podcasters. Oh, I 110% agree. Yeah. Maybe, I will, maybe I'll grab you yeah. and him. 
and do a podcast. There you go. Well, we love sitting on stage because, yeah. because, you know, when he hired me to be in Harvey Danger, yeah, he said, uh, because I was not a very good keyboard player. In fact, I was a terrible keyboard player. <laughs> but he was like, I'm not hiring you to play keyboards in the band. You're playing keyboards in the band to justify you being on tour with us mm-hmm. because I feel so alone on tour. Yes. And I have money now. So I'm just going to yeah. basically, you're going to be in the band. Yeah. Just to like hang. Yeah. And what what it ended up being was that he would take me to all his radio interviews. The band Brilliant. would the band would go back to the hotel and he and I would go to the radio stations and the morning time DJs would be like, So Sean Nelson, big yeah. rock star, what do you say? You know, hey, number one countdown or what and he would just turn to me and the two of us would start talking. And the, <laughs> and the DJs would be like, okay, well, so let me get see if I can get a word in edgewise. And we'd just be making each other laugh and just having, oh, our, having a good time. Yeah. And so he brought me on tour yeah. just as like a banter partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when we went out on tour as the Long Winters, I realized that I had the power to say like, well, tonight's concert is going to be three hours long and an yeah. hour and a half of it is going to be me and Sean just talking to each other. Awesome. And if you don't like it, we don't care. Yes. And people were like, well, I paid money to And I'm like, I don't care what you paid money for, what you <laughs> right. thought you did. It didn't yeah. say, the ticket only has two words on it, long winters. But it, you know, yeah. there's a paragraph under that that says you're going to just chill and enjoy the show, like lean back. Did people like it? Because I would think that's a bonus. People loved it. It's just that every once in a while, somebody goes into a show with a lot of expectations of what mm. they think mm. the show is. Yeah. And what we were saying was like, a show. What's in the show is in the show. Yeah, we're gonna yes. play. We're gonna play twelve songs. Don't worry. Yeah, but we're also gonna talk about whatever we want to talk about. It's your I think art. That's night. the part that it's, makes yeah. it unique to go to a show is that you get that storytelling aspect of it. This piece yeah. of like you're getting a better connection. It's not just the music. It's this whole experience, and it's kind of cool. And other bands like if you go to see Unwound, they don't even look at the audience. <laughs> Right, right. I know, just yeah. look at the back wall, and, play, <laughs> yeah. and it's like that's cool too, right? Yeah. I remember I went to see Unwound, and uh, they walked out on stage, and the singer lit a cigarette and stood there, packed crocodile, stood there and smoked an entire cigarette, just like staring out at the audience. Yeah, like an entire six-minute cigarette, <laughs> and the audience was wrapped. Oh, I'm sure. It was the most hostile thing I'd ever seen. Yeah. But, uh, but the, the I love that kind of, yeah. The casualness was just like, yeah. I'm just going to smoke this cigarette. Now. Yeah. And the band was just sort of standing there waiting. <laughs> and I was like, that's the most, that is the pow- most powerful rock star move I ever saw. Yeah. And then when he was done with the cigarette, he was like, all right, you know. <laughs> all right, all right. Play, play the songs now. Well, I was like, fuck. People don't realize that's... It- <laughs> You live in that world like every day if you're touring. So it's not like your special Friday night party. They're like, no, this is a Tuesday for me. Like, right. you know. I, just, I need uh, this cigarette right now. Like, God damn. Yeah, like, yeah. They want us to go on. So. And I need to do something interesting because now I'm kind of bored. Like, I think I'm just going to smoke a cigarette at you because yeah. I fucking want to. Right. <laughs> a memorable moment for you and everybody oh, else. Oh, I'm still oh, yeah? 15 years later. I'm still thinking about that cigarette. Like, wow. That's badass. Yeah. Maybe he's just trying to get grounded. Yeah. Oh, fuck that. Was 20 years ago. I was Isn't just like nuts? 15 years ago. No, it was 20. Years I'm forever 25 in my head. I feel the like 90s were still very recent in my mind. Yeah. Like, right. It wasn't that long ago. I like to tell my husband, my husband's 12 years younger than me. And so I was like, I always love to calculate. I go, 
When you, you were, were ten, I, I was, was already on stage. I was in a van. He doesn't love that. And I was like, when you were, because he, when I met him, he didn't know anything about me. He knew oh. none of my history, which was invaluable. Yeah, right. I kind of needed that. Yeah, yeah, but little, little by little, he discovers all these things. Like, yeah, but by then he liked me for me, and I needed that. I yeah. needed someone to like me. Yeah. Um, because the rest is just things I do <laughs> you know like whatever <laughs> well thank you John hey thank you guys for coming yeah, over and uh, and having me on your show I love it I love it I really enjoyed it I'll be a, I'll be a guest later on uh, when you need me whenever you okay, need me yes. call me up I'll be your fill in I might bug guest. you for music oh yeah. I'll send Easy you music peasy. anytime to collaborate with I want that I've got it I've got it in spades okay alright check John Roderick music <laughs>